You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars podcast with Nafa Ahoy, a show that shares the stories of successful Africans in business and how they did it. It's our story told our way to inspire our people. This podcast is sponsored by IDS Consultant Ghana Limited, a company dedicated to supporting small and medium-sized enterprises with accounting and business advisory services at an affordable rate. Visit www.idsconsultantga.com to learn more. Both my parents raised me in a way where they they did not put boundaries and limits on my imagination. I mean, there were days I would come home. I remember I came home and I was like, I'm going to cure AIDS. And I had this idea that instead of trying to kill the virus, part of the problem is that every time you send something to kill the virus, it changes its form. Mm -hmm. And so the idea I had back then was, well, why don't we focus on the protein that's responsible for that replication? Mm -hmm. And I remember I had suggested it in in school and the teacher blasted me for Mm -hmm. it. Hi there, you're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars and our guest today is a very young gentleman who has a lot of accolades to his name. We'll get to know about him in a bit, but he's been described as one of Africa's rising stars and has been named on the Forbes list more than once. I'm sure you're wondering who this person is. His name is Sangu Delhi. Sangu, hi, and welcome to Africa's Business Rockstars. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. Yes? Yes, I'm doing very well. Very well. How's life been so far? You know, this year has been actually a pretty amazing year. So I'm quite grateful yeah. to God for that. The Love last couple of years have been challenging on a macro, but this year has been a great year. Fantastic. Tell us about Sangu, the young boy. Sangu, you know, back in the day, really, really young, no idea about Harvard, no idea about being named on the Forbes list, just Sangu, the, the young child. So what's funny is, Sangu, the young child, there's a Harvard story there. Ah. I learned how to read when I was about two. Oh, wow. And the story has it that the headmistress of my nursery realized that I wouldn't hang out with the kids. I wasn't very social with my classmates. Okay. And so at first they thought I had some challenges. Like right. they thought I was like a slow learner. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure they, they, they legitimately thought I may need to go to special school. Okay. Because I just wouldn't hang out with anyone else. And I was very quiet. And then one time they'd walk by and they had me, I was saying poems and nursery rhymes from like the prior semester or so. I had it all memorized. What do you mean? <laughs> and so the woman was just like, this, there's something here. So she called my mother and was like, we think your child is a different kind of special. <laughs> Not the first special that we thought. A different kind of special. And yeah. so she wanted my mom to pay very close attention to nurturing that. And so my mom kind of focused on that and, you know, taught me how to read early. Okay. And that was a mistake because I read, uh, one t- I mean, it got to the point where you'd come to my house and my mom would be like, stop reading. It's enough because the books were expensive. I used to, I didn't just like any books. I mean, I liked the, like the books. Hand, the, you know, <laughs> those books that those times you could only get it from EPP bookstore. Right. And they were expensive. Right. So my mom would go and buy like maybe four. By the next day, I'll be like, mommy, I finished. <laughs> like, what do you mean you finished? <laughs> so she'll make me write book reports yeah. to prove it. I yeah. said, no problem. I'll do the book reports. Mommy, I finished. <laughs> <laughs> that was young me. But the Harvard story, I promised to tell. So I was about five years old. And my father used to, at the time, he had set up the African Commission of Health and Human Rights. He's a doctor and a human rights activist. Okay. And he used to work with some faculty at the Harvard School of Public Health on this notion of health as a human right, which was quite novel at the time. 
And so he would get materials from them that had Harvard University on it. Then what's university? And he said, that's where you go to get smart. <laughs> and he said, okay. And what's Harvard? He said, oh, that's where you go to get really smart. And he <laughs> said it with this like, whoa. So I said, hey, okay. So in my head at the time, the cartoons I used to watch, yeah. my image of smart people was Plato in the toga, you know, <laughs> in Greece with the columns. Like right. that was, like, right. if you told me to draw Harvard at that time, Harvard was in Greece and there were people wearing the togas right. and that was my image. So I was like, yo, I want to do that. So I wrote a letter to the headmaster of Harvard. At the age of five? Yeah. And I said, dear headmaster, my name is Sangudeli. I'm five years old. I live in Accra. Um... <laughs> I attend Kaiser King School. Um, my father told me, this is where you go to get really smart. I think I'm smart, but I want to get really smart. <laughs> so when can I start? And I remember because it was a weekend and I worried the old man. Like he should nail it he now, 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 this. now. He's like, son, the post office is not open. I said, no, 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 no. Look, I worried this guy. Huh? To the point that Monday morning, yeah. I actually ended up going to Kaiser King late because he had to take me to the post office first. He had to ensure. To mail it before <laughs> he dropped me at school. So then we didn't hear anything. But then like nine months later, I got a letter back from Neil Rudenstein. And in the letter, I learned three things. Yeah. The first is he's not headmaster, he's president. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I learned was Harvard is not in Greece. It's in Cambridge, <laughs> Massachusetts. And the third thing I learned, which he nicely put in the letter is... Age five is a bit too early. <laughs> <laughs> okay, little did he know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. And when I was a kid, everybody called me in Pinnison. Oh, fantastic. Obviously, you mentioned Christ the King, which means your primary education was in Christ the King. Yes. What I went to Mother like? Care and then Christ the King after. What was that like? Christ the King was amazing. You know, all my siblings went there. Okay. How um, many siblings do you have? So I'm the last of five. Okay. So the, the way I like to describe it is they kept looking for perfection and when they found it they stopped <laughs> the way my older brother Bangu says it is they found perfection they kept replicating the perfection formula <laughs> then when I got to me they said no they can't risk another one like this <laughs> <laughs> um, but Kaiser King was amazing I mean there's really something special about that school I think in that the bonds it forges mm -hmm. are such that till today my closest friends mm -hmm. are the ones that my day ones, the ones I was in school, yeah. particularly Kaiser Kinwe. Yeah. I don't know whether it was something about us being lashed together or having <laughs> to say Hail Mary multiple times in a day. There was just something about the school that uh, brought us all together in a very powerful way. Yeah. And um, I visited recently and it was bittersweet because on the one hand, I, I went to the old classroom and the desks are the same. Okay. Like it still has the same inkwell from when we when I was there. <laughs> so a part of me was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Like the nostalgia. And yeah. a part of me is like, Charlie, why do we still have the same yeah. desks? <laughs> like we need to do something about that. But it was an incredible experience. Right. I loved my time at Chrysler King right. and it was... Um, Chrysler King played a huge part in who I am today. Right. Of course. Okay. So from Chrysler King, where did we move on to? So from Chrysler King, I then went to Ghana International School, GIS. Okay. Okay. So Chrysler King was obviously from kindergarten to GSS 3, right? No? Well, so I left a bit early. Okay. I left after class six. Okay. And I took the exam for Ghana International School, GIS. Okay. And, and ended up going there. So GIS was interesting because... At the time, they had a computer lab with internet access. Okay. And so I remember it was in 99 and that was the first time I had 
access to the internet. internet. This was 99? Yes, this okay. was 99. The first time I had access to the internet. Mm-hmm. And it literally transformed my life. Because, you know, I used to talk about how my mother used to blast me about reading too much mm-hmm. and having to <laughs> buy plenty of books. Well, with the internet, it was limitless. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I had unlimited resources. I would research. And back then, it wasn't even Google. Yahoo was big. And then yeah. Ask Jeeves. Yeah. You know, so it, it was just such an extraordinary experience. And I would spend hours and hours and hours on the internet trying to figure stuff out. And it, I mean, as a portal to information, it was... Um, Endless. It was endless. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Post GIS, then what? Work, more school. What, what did you do after GIS? So what happened in GIS, what's interesting is, mm-hmm. so I had mentioned how I wrote to Harvard when I was five. So I kept writing every year. I was sent there. Now I know I was president and no headmaster. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, you know, this is updates on me. And I just wrote every year all the way through President Larry Summers. And so at the time I got to GIS and I had access to the internet. I would go on Harvard's webpage every day and I'll just read about the different things going on in the school, learn about the school. And it was through that exploration that I found that they had a special summer program. Okay. That was supposed to be for people in their last years of secondary school. Okay. So you'd be able to come to Harvard and take college level classes, university level courses, Mm -hmm. so that when you went to university, those courses could apply towards your coursework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I remember reading about it and being very excited. By the time I was in, let's say, JSS 3, so I wasn't eligible. So I wrote a long letter to the director of the program and I sent him copies of all my correspondence from when I was five (laughs) and said, look, I really want to go to this program. And I got a letter from uh, my history teacher, Mr. Brown. GIS. Mr. Brown wrote a letter basically saying that he thought I could handle the academic rigor. Yeah. And so they, they waived the requirements for me and allowed me to apply. So I applied and I wow. got in. Wow. I remember, so I was very excited. I did like a fundraiser yeah. to raise funds yeah. for the summer program. So I would literally go house to house. I tell, I had copies of the letter and be like, look, this is my dream. So actually I was supposed to ask, so wait, hold up. Yeah. Firstly, let's find out what your parents, their reaction or their thoughts they think you were crazy, first and foremost, when they finally found out that, look, Sangu's actually been able to do this. He was actually gets into, waived all the actual requirements and what was their reaction? So, you know, and I think this might be an interesting time to maybe talk about parenting. I think I had maybe a bit of an unusual parenting experience in that, whereas in general, and I definitely experienced this in, in school, mm-hmm. whereas in general, I felt like growing up, you were told, hey, be quiet. They're always being blasted. You yeah. understand? They, they, they want to quiet you down. Yeah. Like, I vividly remember times in class where I would ask certain questions. Yeah. And they'll blast me that it's not in the syllabus. I remember being lashed one day, and I'll never forget this. I used the word serendipity yeah. in an essay. The teacher told me I've made up the word. <laughs> so, me, in opinion, so I'm like myself. You went to the dictionary. I went to the dictionary, <laughs> highlighted the word in the dictionary. And brought it to the teacher. And the teacher said, so you are saying I'm lying. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. Oh, they lash me rough. <laughs> 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 oh, they give it to me quickly. <laughs> but in contrast, my parents, both my parents, raised me in a way where they, they did not put boundaries and limits on my imagination. Exactly. I mean, there were days I would come home. I remember I came home and I was like, I'm going to cure AIDS. And I had this idea that Instead of trying to kill the virus, 
part of the problem is that every time you send something to kill the virus, it changes its form. Mm-hmm. And so the idea I had back then was, well, why don't we focus on the protein that's responsible for that replication? Mm-hmm. And I remember I had suggested it in, um, in school and the teacher blasted me for mm-hmm. it. And later, many years later, like probably a decade plus later, I actually had read a report that there were some scientists that were looking at that very possibility. Yeah. And so there's a way in which sometimes in Ghana, we, we kill the dreams yeah, of young people. Stifle it, you know, we yeah. stifle their dreams. Yeah, yeah. But I was very fortunate. My parents did not do that. Right. So I would come home and I would say the craziest things. Yeah. And it was like, fine. Like, I remember I came home and I was very upset about the Rwandan genocide. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to write Kofiana a letter and let him know how I feel about this. And my parents didn't blast me. Yeah. They were just like, my dad was like, yeah, I think you should do that. Yeah. And so I wrote Kofianan a letter <laughs> telling him that I don't like these things that's going on in Rwanda. <laughs> and so, look, I think there was a special way in which my parents really nurtured and validated my dreams, as foolish as they may have been, mm-hmm. which gave me a lot of self-esteem and a lot of self-confidence where I believe that anything I could do, anything I dreamed of, I could accomplish. And I don't think I appreciated it or even realized how remarkable it was at all until there's a book that would, that just came out this year okay written by a Harvard professor at the Kennedy School of Government Ron Ferguson okay. and his co-author Tasha Robertson the book is called The Formula and so in the book they try to understand how do you raise high achieving children and they studied about I think about 200 subjects mm. and this is over decades mm. and I happen to be one of the subjects oh wow so they end up, I think there may be about 10 of us that they feature in the book. Mm. And I'm, I'm one of the 10 they feature. But specifically, it's not about me in the book. It's all about the parenting. So they looked at how did my parents, what methods, um, what strategies did they mm. use in parenting mm. me mm. that contributed to the outcomes. Right. And, and it's, re- it's only in the process of being interviewed for that book that it dawned on me that, oh, wow, there was something there was some merit yeah. to the things to they, they did. Yeah. You know, I used to think it was very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, my mother only allowed me to go to one party a year. And I don't recommend any parents listening to this ever try that because I'm still traumatized. <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so you've managed to get yourself into the Harvard summer program. Yeah. Was it, did it meet your expectation? Was it exactly what you thought it would be? Before I answer that, I told you I was fundraising for the program. Yes. So I was going like dots, talking to everybody, door to door. I was annoying my father because I'd go to his consulting room. Mm. And then after a patient has left his place, I'd be like, hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising. And he's like, you're disgracing me. What are you doing? <laughs> right? So I'm just harassing everyone. Like, look, I need to raise money to go to this summer program. Yeah. And I'll never forget. There was a European ambassador, I won't mention his name to embarrass him, but there was a European ambassador at the time. And he told me, I went and I was harassing him to contribute to my fundraiser. And he told me that it was young and foolish for an African boy to think he can go to Harvard. And that I'm a nice guy and he can help me with European schools and, you know, make recommendations. But even his own daughter would not dream of going to Harvard. And I remember at the time, I actually cried. I was going to say, how did that make you feel? Because I was crushed because no one, I think that was the first time someone had maybe rubbished my dreams. I mean, yeah. my parents just allowed me to yeah. just dream yeah. in oblivion. Yeah. And here's this guy telling me that, my, my friend, have you seen their statistics? <laughs> and so I was, I was quite crushed and I cried. 
But then I think there was a part of me that said, I'll show this guy. You have to prove him wrong. I wanted to prove him wrong Mm. and, you know, show him that. (laughs) But anyway, so to answer your question, how was the program? Yeah. I literally used to wake up and I pinched myself to just believe that I was really there. Yeah. I had the time of my life. I took two classes, one in calculus and one in international relations with John Garofano. And I'm still in touch with John Garofano. He was my professor. He also used to lecture at the Naval Academy. So, yeah, so I had the time of my life. Yeah. It was also a culture shock. I mean, I walked into the mall. I wanted to buy some T-shirts. And the woman said $30. (laughs) I thought I would give her $10. (laughs) She called security. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I tried to bag it. I was just like, I mean, because I'm used to, you know, if I go to Makola, I say 30. I say, oh, my my, my, mom, 10. You know, that's that's what I'm used to. And then here, 30, I said $10. They said security. I was like, this food, they are not friendly. They are hard at bargaining. <laughs> so it took a while to understand that they don't, they don't bargain it's here. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, How long was the program for? So the program was all summer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was all summer. So, so once you were done, did you have to come back home? Yes. Okay. Um, once I was done, I came back, I came back to Ghana, but at the program, I met a number of um, students mm-hmm. who attended these prep schools. So we're talking about our various experiences. Me, I'm excited. Actually, we have my computer lab that I'm doing my research. Then these kids are telling me about they are going to schools where they are taking classes in robotics and genetics and all sorts of things. The nerd in me was just like, <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. I was like, robotics, genetics, like this is incredible. And that means I was happy with my computer yeah, stuff. These guys were talking about hardcore coding and classes where they are learning how to code and create programs. This is at what age? I mean, this is high school, <laughs> secondary school level. <laughs> so like 18-ish. I guess. I mean, people start when you're like, you know, 13, 14. Yeah. So I was super excited. I yeah. was like, this is incredible. And then, you know, one of them told me that uh, his school has an 18-hole golf course. I said, this one, totally. Because <laughs> at that time, at that time, Ghana, we had Achimota. Yes. And I think that was it. Yeah. Maybe at most we had two to three. Yeah. In the whole country. Then you want to tell me you, your school has 18 whole golf course. I said, come on. So I Googled it and tell it was true. So I was like, no, this school, yeah. I want some. I have to, yeah. So they, they, they're encouraging me that I should apply. I looked it up. The school was, cost about $50,000. Okay. I said, it's fine if I even sell my village. The <laughs> fun, fun raiser, <laughs> <laughs> fun raiser And this was back in the day. Yeah. $50,000. I said, no, yeah. no, no, But then there was Mike Lee who said, he said, no, Sangu, you know, they have this thing called financial aid and scholarships. Mm. I said, scholarships, what's that? Mm. And then he explained to me that basically... If you meet certain criteria, requirements for yeah. a certain criteria, mm-hmm. you, you can go for free. And I was baffled at the time. I was like, I, 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 the concept of, wait, so I was like, wait, but who, who is paying for you? And yeah. he's like, oh, you know, someone has done it. It shocked me because I was not used to that right. growing right. up in Ghana right. where there's the idea of all that matters is do you have the smarts or do you have the work ethic or do you have what it takes to succeed? Yeah. And don't worry. That, that idea that um, your socioeconomics would not be able to limit how far you can go was yeah. foreign because yeah. unfortunately we, do, we did not have that at least in my time growing up here. And so I was amazed and I applied to a number of the schools and I got, thank God, I got a full scholarship to a, to a number of them and okay. ended up going to Petty. Okay. And so came to Ghana for a year. Mm-hmm. 
had the scholarship, but oh, the thing was, so it was a full scholarship, full tuition, you got housing, yeah. food, everything was yeah. covered. Yeah. But what it did not cover was the tickets. Your plane tickets. Your plane yeah. tickets. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember at the time, I this was um I was top of my class at GIS. And so I created these O-level study guides. <laughs> and my marketing trial was Chalefion Sangu's grades, get Sangu's guide. <laughs> and I was selling them like hundred dollars for one. Oh man. And my main market that I targeted was the experts. Sangu Delhi. I made money. I made, I remember I made, I sold 16. I made $1,600. So the $1,600. And I've always, and it's funny how it comes to us. Like I've always kind of been entrepreneurial. Right. Like when we first moved to East Legon back, 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 back in the day. So I think we moved to East Legon like in the eighties or so. And then I was born. And then they started at that time. We didn't have the road. So they were now constructing the road. Okay. With the bulldozers and all of that. And there was nowhere to buy food, food. or water or anything. Mm. So I would take the rubber, fill it with water, tie yeah. it, put it in the Isn't fridge. Yeah. And when I come back from school, I'll sell it to the construction workers. Yeah. Try making my small money then I'll go and use it to buy um <laughs> uh, uh, what's that ice cream that we used to have? Was it pokey? Yes, it was uh-huh. pokey. It was pokey. I'll go and use it to buy some small pokey. Oh. And my mother came to catch me one day and they beat me. They said, <laughs> eh, what kind of wickedness is that? I should give them the water for, for free. Oh, Charlie, she killed my business. Anyway, fast forward. Yeah. My mother was not here to kill my study guide business. <laughs> so that one flourished. And I made $1,600. I bought my ticket on Alitalia for $800. And I had $800 left. Yes. And I remember because I spent $200 going to the market and I bought like some winter Clothes. Clothes, which was a mistake because it wasn't that strong. <laughs> so the ones I bought, it worried me later when I went. And then on the way to, I think we went through either Rome or Milan or whatever I was, and I became self-conscious mm. at the airport. Mm. So I spent $100 buying, I bought some Adidas tracksuits. Mm. I found now that I could fit in a small. <laughs> and then I had $500 left. Yeah. And when I got to the U.S., there was a website called bits.com. So the website tells you that you can buy, it makes you think, oh, you can buy a Rolex. A Rolex that's worth, let's say $5,000. You can bid. So you start bidding. So maybe if you bid and you get it for $100. You're the one. You're the one. Charlie, I, started, I, I stood up all night, bidding. Ba, 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 well, what were you bidding for? Oh, all kinds of jewelry and stuff. <laughs> and, and, and they'll tell you the value. So the value is $1,000. And so maybe me, I'll get, get it for it $50 for. or $100. Yeah. I was bidding, bidding, bidding. I'll win some, I'll lose some. And I was so excited. And in my mind, I already started spending the profits. So I spent all my $500 <laughs> on the bidding. I was so excited. And I did the math. And I knew that minimum, I was making $2,000 profit. So I knew I was like, I'm yeah, rich. Yeah. My work was different. Charlie, the things came in Africa and they had a no return policy. Wow. That was my biggest major lesson in business. Wow. About the need to do diligence. Wow. Okay. So Sangu, you, in terms of the summer school, you, yes. you know, personally did your, you know, fundraiser mm-hmm. and then you managed to get the funds and then you went. Then it comes to prep school. You're selling the, the Sangu Delhi, <laughs> you know, pamphlet <laughs> <laughs> to enable you to get your tickets to ensure that you're yeah. you going to go. But in all this, your parents are there. I mean, you're in GIS, you went to Christ the King, you know, so you are taken care of. So why the need for you to want to raise these funds for yourself to be able to, you know, 
um, achieve these achieve these goals mainly? Is it that your parents couldn't help you do it? Did they say they will not do it? You need to do this yourself because it's what you want. What's the reason behind that? Right. So I think there are a couple of layers to it. Mm-hmm. So the first is I, I grew up, I would say, in, in some elements of relative privilege. Mm-hmm. There are some things that we just could not afford. Okay. Right? And so one element of it was being conscious of um, the economic constraints, right? We're mm-hmm. five kids, mm-hmm. right? And at that time, uh, the rest of my siblings were also in uni, okay, right? And so that there's being sensitive to to economic constraints. That's one. But I think there's a second part, also, which is my dad was chisel, <laughs> right? I mean, it's so, it's typical. Like no, in the sense that so so here's where it was. Look, my dad was was one of eighty six kids. Wow. Right. So he always, he never ceased to remind us that they only left him one pant <laughs> in the world. Right. So, so you have to right? work for it. The whole thing was, Charlie. Yeah. Look, I remember I would, I would be top of my class and I'd get a hundred percent. And my father would never, my mom would always be like so happy. Yeah. My mom came to every single play I did, everything I did. My mom literally would come to pick me up every day. would talk to every single teacher. She yeah. was like, Superman. Yeah. Yeah. My dad never told me I'm proud of you. Yeah. So one day I vexed. I just had it. Yeah. I went into his library and I said, I got 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. First, first, first. You, you, you haven't. I was so upset. My mom pulled his glasses down quietly and said, I should go into his library, showed me some corner. I should bring some box for him. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, but you, I'm blasting you. You go and bring the box. I said, okay. I need to bring the box. I should open it. I opened it. Dusty box. Open the thing. It had, it was just full of his prizes from when he was in school. He yeah. told us, yes, 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 yes. And he told me, when you've done what daddy, daddy has not done, come and talk to my friend. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that thing bashed me, <laughs> you know, and I was like, eh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. a part of me also wanted to do what he hasn't done. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm like, you don't come and say you didn't mean I'll do it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I was very determined to succeed on my own terms. Right. 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 I've gone to America. I've got my own scholarship. Right. My tickets cry. I got it myself. Right. So I actually didn't tell him. I told him last minute. I, he, he, he is funny. He talks about it. I think I told him maybe the week before I traveled. Wow. I told him I'm going. <laughs> and then he, and then he had a smack on his face and he looked at me and he said, this boy. <laughs> yeah. And he still didn't say I'm proud of you. Yeah. I remember the first time he said he was proud of me was, when I was featured in Time Magazine. That was the first time. Yeah. And that day he walked up, he shook my hand and he yeah. said, congratulations. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you listen to Africa's Business Rockstars. And when we come back, we're going to find out from Sangu post prep school, what was next? We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars. And we've been having a very, very, very interesting conversation with Sangu Delhi. We're still, you know, back at young Sangu, who has entered Pedi <laughs> <laughs> prep school on his way to, you know, to the actual um, end goal. So what did you what did you study in, in Pedi? So at Pedi, I took a whole variety of classes. I mean, I took classes in biology, chemistry, physics, advanced calculus, computer programming, European history. American history, economics. I mean, I took a, I took a whole a range, whole advanced physics. Yeah. I mean, I, I took a whole host of classes. Is this was this in preparation um, towards um, what you have to study at Harvard? Yeah. So I mean, okay. it was um, a lot of the 
classes. So we had these classes called AP Advanced Placement. Okay. It's basically college level. You can actually get college credit. Okay. For it. So usually they'll say maybe, you know, take two to three. Mm. Type in Ghana, man. I knew I only had two years in the school. First year, I took six. <laughs> then next year, I took five. Um, and I took 11. And I remember there was a, a funny story later on where and there was some Obroni guy in college who was telling me about this genius in his high school yeah. who took nine and got all fives. The highest score you can get is five. Okay. And got okay. all fives in them and was like, Charlie, the guy is, you know, genius. Was genius, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took 11 and I got all five. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, I'm lying. Yeah. Like, it's not true. Yeah. Like, no. I was just like, ah. So I pulled up the results. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I realized it. You know, where you're coming from, Ghana, mm. you don't think about race. Mm. Mm. I think it really took a bit of time for me to understand some of how, you know, the America's racial politics. Yeah. So where... You know, you might tell someone this and they'll look at you and be like, ah, you this person. Yeah, nah. yeah, you know, yeah. But Petty was fun. I loved Petty. I had an amazing time there. And it was so great because it gave me that confidence that when I went to university, yeah, it was easy for me to build relationships with my professors there. Yeah, because yeah, I was, I was yeah. used to that sort of interaction. Yeah. And then it was also just fun cultural stuff. So I remember my first, you know, it was... Uh, I was just like, hey, what's this? <laughs> I didn't bundle that well. So I, go, I had frostbite. Yeah. You do the typical um, Ghanaian thing where you go play and it's lie down. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The oh, Charlie, the that. usual. I try to eat it small. <laughs> you know, Johnny just come. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the other funny, I remember there was one day hey, I was broke. Yeah. I was down literally. I remember I was down to my last quarter, 25 cents. Wow. I needed to, I'd run out of boxes. So I had to do laundry. Yeah. I was broke. I couldn't do laundry. So I said, okay, Ghana man, I know what to do. So I took a bucket, mm-hmm. took my clothes to the bathroom, <laughs> took and done after I actually packed key soap. <laughs> <laughs> I took my bow key soup and I just went to work. I started washing. So then my friend who lived in the dorm walked in and he was just like, Oh, Sangu. He thought I didn't know how to use the washing machine. So he said, Oh buddy, come here. Let me show you. So I acted dumb. He puts their clothes in there, (laughs) took out his money, put it in the machine and ran it. (laughs) I was happy. So after the thing ran, I went to him. I said, um, Sean, um, how does a dryer work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Petty was great. Petty was great. So how was the transitioning from Petty into Harvard? So you finally get into Harvard, right? Yes. Actually, how do you finally get into Harvard? So I applied. So they had a program called Early Action. Okay. Where you basically apply mm-hmm. and they'll let you know earlier than most people whether or not you, you've gotten in. Okay. So I applied early. Okay. I remember because my mom is, I mean, my mom is a special woman. This mm. is the woman who, in Christ the King, there was a class that my grade at the end was like 92%. Mm. Never mind I was first in that class. Mm-hmm. And, and they beat me. <laughs> and my brother came home. Bangu came home and, and thought I had bombed or something. Ran and said, oh, what did he do? My mom said, eh, look. Can you imagine ninety two percent? Where is the eight? Wow. Where is the eight? Ooh, so Bangu was confused, like, ah, mommy, but <laughs> well, what, like, what's going on? And she said, hmm, Bangu, Bangu, <laughs> it was multiple choice. They gave him the answers. 
<laughs> like, like, I don't know how you argue with that. Okay, she was like, the answers were right in front of him. He had no excuse. Oh my so, so this is the woman we're talking about. Okay, right, right, right. So she calls me a week before the results come out, and she's just like. Oh, Sangu, you know, mommy loves you. And you know, Ghana parents, we don't do that thing. No. So I was just like, ah, did somebody die? <laughs> I'm like, what's this is weird. And she's like, mm, you know, how about it's not everything? Or I'm like, no, but, but yes, it is. <laughs> like, I've been dreaming about this school for 14 years. Yeah. So it was much later that my siblings told me that the family had a conference call without me. <laughs> and they were like, Chale, like, they were terrified because yeah. they were like, like, play. Yeah. Since he was five, yeah. he's wanted to do this. Exactly. Exactly. What if he doesn't get it? Exactly. Because realistically, I mean, statistically, yeah. chances are I wouldn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, the admissions rate today is what, like 5%. I mean, and there's so many smart, being smart is not enough. There's smart people who don't get in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they were terrified. They were just like, look, I mean, my, my brother was like, we we're worried this guy will hit jump window. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, seriously, like how, you know, and in my head, I don't think. I hadn't even considered or thought about what if I don't get in. Yeah. In my head, I was just like, oh, this is, yeah. this is it. This, yeah. this is the natural. Yeah. Because I didn't even think of, to me, it wasn't that, oh, this is a top school. It was, well, this was the only school I knew of as yeah. a kid. Right? Yeah. And I was told this is where you go to get really smart. So yeah. it was almost this childhood fantasy yeah. in my mind. Anyway, God said that one would not be my portion. So, yep. <laughs> so I remember the day we were supposed to get the results 5 p.m. I was there. Five, I, I didn't get the 5 p.m. on the dot. I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. 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 My roommates had applied to Yale early. So I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. And then the thing comes and I'm like, oh my God. And then I hear him. Oh my God. And then we run and then we hug each other and I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm crying. I call my mother and I'm like, mommy. And then she's like, what? What? Because she's so scared. What is it? I'm, I'm just crying. So I can't see it. She's like, what is it? I'm like, oh, man. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and I'm just like crying and stuff. And she's just like, oh, my God. Thank God. And blah, blah, blah. It was amazing. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> so between the time when you got this emotional um, email. Yeah. How long did you have till, I mean, from Petty straight into Harvard? Was it like right there? So this was first semester of my senior year. Mm. So then after that, I probably had maybe another like six months or so. Yeah. So after that, Charlie, then no, I, I ordered the hoodie. Yeah. Shit. Oh, the Harvard hoodie. Harvard hoodie. Oh, you. To wear my hoodie. If I'm going to class, my work is different. My work is different. <laughs> my work is different. <laughs> <laughs> and then to make it even sweeter, because yeah. Harvard is expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's like $70,000 a year. Yeah. But I got a full ride. Wow. Yeah. Because wow. at the time, Harvard had an amazing financial aid policy. And I mean, this is why today I'm, I'm a very, very big supporter of the school. Yeah. Because Harvard took, at the time, a novel approach. And they said that you will never say no to Harvard because you can't afford us. We're going to make sure that we're a place that if you can get in on merit, mm, mm. your socioeconomic background should never stop you from coming here. Right. And that's a philosophy that I think is extraordinary and something that is what led me to create a scholarship there and to Fantastic. support the school. Fantastic. In, 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 in what I consider to be a very noble mission. Yeah. Fantastic. Of making sure that opportunity is available for everyone, regardless of your background. 
Wow. So now let's talk about that because you're a childhood dream at the age of five. Yeah. And you finally made it to the only school that you, you know exists in the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the experience like? Hey, Harvard was amazing. Like, I don't even know how to start describing it. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. Um, I went to the pre-frosh program, which is a program they have before you start mm. freshman year. Mm. And so you get to meet other admitted students, like admit students weekend. Mm. Mm. And a, a lot of the relationships I made, there are still some of my close friends today. People like David Senge. I met such incredible people who changed my life, changed my thinking, yeah. pushed me yeah. to be bolder, pushed me to think very deeply. Yeah about how to make a difference in the world and it made me realize that look to whom much is given much is expected of course of but course. there was a sense in which harvard really raised the bar and yeah. saying that it wasn't enough to just think small you really had to think large because everyone else around you and tell your own lie you know the first month i was convinced i was the admissions mistake <laughs> oh no 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 i remember there was one class i worked in um he's so sweet george sweetest guy in the world my classmate you see him quiet like that, talking like that. There's a movie on his life. This guy is the greatest spelling champion in the world. There's like a movie on him. Oh. Okay. So I'm like, okay, me and you won't be in English class. Bye-bye. <laughs> or you go into chemistry class. Then some girl there is the world chemistry Olympiad. Like, I think. You know, you're, like, you're used to... I used to be in first. Yeah, first. Back, yeah, back at home, yeah. yeah. No, I remember there was a kid in my class that they had named the molecule after him. <laughs> Or there was one guy who was in, he was a, a few classes below me who he became a very good friend. See, there's literally a planet named after him because when he was six, he invented some rocket and blew up his mother. I mean, you just meet some of these people. You're like, why? Why? So I'm like, tell him, maybe I should have just relaxed and lay on and I would have been, you know, I would have actually so it was intimidating. Yeah. It was very intimidating. But how did you survive? Like, how did you create your own? I think what ends up happening is everyone also feels that way. <laughs> so, so everyone feels that they are the admissions mistake. That's it. So everyone becomes just chill about it. And then, you know, it's no longer about the 92%. You need to be 100%. You yeah. know, at that point, you're just exploring your passions. Yeah. You're, you're forming relationships yeah. with people. You're yeah. learning for the sake of learning. Yeah. And not because you've reached there. Yeah. It's not like that. There's no other thing you're going for. Yeah. It's not like you are. Trying to, you're not being prescriptive about it. So you allow yourself to explore and learn new things and pursue your passions. Yeah. And, and it, it was fantastic. I had, it was hands down without question, the best four years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Did you still sail through, you know, Sangu back from Ghana, who was always that A student? Did you sail through Harvard that way? I did. I mean, look, I graduated with, I mean, don't forget, you know, the kind of mother I have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was five years old, mm. I think maybe it was even four when she started it. My mother had this tradition she'd make me do. Before my bedtime prayers, she would let me look in the mirror mm. and I would stand on a stool because I couldn't reach the mirror. Mm. And I had to ask myself, what have I accomplished today? Mm. And if I wasn't satisfied with the answer, I couldn't sleep. How do you make a four-year-old do that? <laughs> and she made me do it every day. Like every day I did it to the point where it became normal. Yeah. Right. So to me, it became normal. And I only realized it was not normal when... <laughs> 
you know, I'll mention it to some of my American friends and they're like, hey man, that's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Charlie. <laughs> but you know, there's something special because even though I definitely think it was crazy that my mother made me do that, it put, it made me realize in my mind that Charlie, I cannot make any opportunity go to waste. Of course. Like today has to count because I have to look at myself in the mirror and ask myself, did, did I make today achieve? count? Yeah. And there were some days I didn't feel like I accomplished much. So I wouldn't sleep. I'll go and maybe learn some more, do something yeah. Yeah. and feel like, okay, I've done something today. Yeah. And so it was the same at Harvard. I really pushed myself to make sure that I would, I would make the most out of it. Yeah. I mean, while I was there, I started my nonprofit. While I was there, I started my company, okay. Golden Palm Investments. Okay. Um, while I was there, I did the first social engagement um, thesis mm -hmm. and I, I graduated with highest honors because Auntie Amira will not, <laughs> will not tolerate anything less. <laughs> so you've been listening to our podcast with Sangwit Delhi, and I'm sure you would agree with me that this conversation has been extremely interesting. So interesting, we actually are doing this in two parts. So join us on the next episode for part two of our podcast with Sanko Delhi. See you then.